This is Steel Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Hello and welcome to Steel Some Time, the USL's official league podcast. I'm Kelsey Steele alongside Scott Stewart here for the season three opener of, of one of my favorite projects in the world, Scott. It is so good to be on the mic in so many words, <laughs> with you for another year. Can you believe, honestly, that we're gearing up for our third year doing the show? Yeah, wild. Absolutely wild. Um, year two in the living room to start, but soon enough, back in um, back in the office, back in the lab, but super pumped to be doing this. And um, wow, what a season ahead of us. It's It feels like it's been such a long time coming, you know? <laughs> and I really do think this is the most excited I've been about Steal Some Time, too. Like, I think, you know, last season, it was so many things. Um, un, you, we had unconventional, really, <laughs> in, in every way, shape, or in form. Um, and then this year, I think getting back to normalcy a bit um, and, and getting to do the show with you on, on a more regular basis. And, and coming in with some fresh new segments too. Um, I'm really excited about those. We've, you know, I think our hope is, is to bring some, some more stories on and off the pitch this year than, than we've ever done before, but, but keeping things new, light and fresh and um, more than, more than anything, keeping our listeners entertained, you know, you can be honest. I mean, the real reason you're excited is because I'm so unsure of all of my championship predictions and the landscape that I'll be wrong probably more than ever this year. Um, which is super exciting for both of us. Yeah, you know we're going to get into some some hot takes. We, we've got to throw the predictions out there. Uh, and they will not age well as per usual, but uh, we'll, we'll give them a shot. Uh, not there just yet, though. Um, we, we've got to talk a few logistical things. You know, the 2021 championship season is, what, four days away? We are so close. 496 regular season games this year. So we're looking at a little bit shorter span, 32 games over 28 weeks, um, but all on ESPN plus too. So um, that, that access is still there, but this time kind of taking that up a notch, which I think everyone's really excited about, right? 18 uh, regular season games uh, on ESPN linear, including the first ever for, for USL league one, which is uh, a big one, right? Greenville and Omaha, a nice little rematch um, from that, that league one um, title game. So a lot, I think coming across the board this year um, on, on ESPN and um, getting to put those markets front and center um, on national television and showcasing some of the beauties that you know, we get with Lynn Family Stadium and, and of the like. So really excited, I think, for, for the center stage um, for a lot of those clubs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a firm believer that USL League One will soon be America's preeminent soccer watching option. Um, so I'm pumped to see them on the national stage. But on a real note, I mean, just more access to this sport than ever. And hopefully um, for the first time in two years, not a four-month break between us watching our first game and the second game, which is always something to look forward to. We're ready to go. We're, we're ready to go. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, before we get to some of those big transfers from the offseason, the one thing I do want to note before we go into this conversation and make sure everyone remembers, FC Tulsa, our, our you know, Western Conference, FC Tulsa, they're over in the East now. And this is going to take some getting used to, I think, for um, for a lot of us. But as we go through the show today um, and, of course, in, in weeks to come, um, something to keep in mind of that uh, there there might be a little bit of a mix up there in the Eastern Conference here over the next few months, which I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah, it'll be great. I mean, to have them and OKC in the East now, so we keep the Black Gold Derby where it belongs in a regionalized format, adding Oakland out West. Um, We get to see maybe the real Miami this year. I think there's a lot to look forward to in both conferences. So I'm, I'm finally, um, I'm finally ready with all the things that I've locked in uh, just knowing that we got to go full steam ahead one way or the other. All right. So let's talk about some of the big playmakers this year. So, you know, you're, you're talking about Miami and some of the changes that that are going to be made there. So we'll just start out out of the gate then speedy Williams heading over to the Miami FC from Louisville city FC shocking exit I think for for a lot of people one that that many probably didn't see coming I mean this is a staple um of that loose city midfield over the last four years uh 2020 all league first team led I think he led the club actually too with minutes played in 2020 um so just a, a real face for, for that club um but this is also someone Scott that's won the USL championship title three times he's bringing a lot to that Miami FC side it, it, is that is that what Miami needs to to start kind of getting the wheels turning over there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably the best place they could start, if that makes sense. So they've they've made more offseason acquisitions than maybe any other club in the championship, especially high profile acquisitions. So Speedy won't be alone. But you talk about one of the most consistent players in the championship over the last three to four years. It's been Speedy, and um, his name is not a coincidence. Not only does he have the speed, he's got the stamina and he's a guy who you can rely on week in and week out to constantly be giving his all, constantly be getting or putting in good performances. I mean, I think that for Miami, one of the things that we just never saw last year was any semblance of consistency. So to have somebody who is really a rock of your team, the foundation of your team being Speedy Williams, who is so versatile, he can play the eight, he can play the six. He can move around midfield as you need him. I think he's probably the best place that Miami could have started. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how he acclimatizes. Miami is not Louisville and Louisville is not Miami. So a lot of a lot of questions ahead for him to answer, but all good things. Well, reuniting with with Paco Craig also like I think that that's a a big storyline that needs to be made front and center this year. These are. These are old friends, old teammates. Paco took a year off um, from the championship, and now he's back. And uh, Paco wins championships. Keep that in mind. Paco, Paco is in that same vein. He's never not won a USL championship when yeah. he's been in this league. And like he, that. He's in the same vein as Speedy, right? He's a guy who you can rely on every single week. He's not going to want a, a, to miss a single minute of action. And I think what is – so pivotal for Miami is they have somebody like Paco in the back. They've already added Paco in an impressive profile of center backs that they're going to be able to build that foundation. And when you talk about the spine of your team and the longevity of that, having Paco in there with speed right in front of him, I mean, that is already, you've got two incredible pieces to build as part of your foundation. A lot of eyes on Miami this coming season, including ours. I'm really, really excited to see that the squad that they've put together over uh, in South Florida. Let's talk about the guy who could possibly be taking Speedy's place over in Jimmy McLaughlin at Louisville City FC. 
some background for those of you who might not be so familiar with, with Jimmy uh, over with uh, MC Cincinnati for five years in the USL and MLS um, spectrum. And I think what's interesting with Jimmy is he, I think he really struggled to kind of find that role um, with, with FC Cincinnati when they transferred over to MLS, hit with some injuries and a, a torn ACL, a high ankle sprain, um, really just didn't get, I think, that true chance that um, he really needed to uh, to, to make a, a firm, it, at least shot at that starting 11 or at least, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but he's getting his shot now with, with Louisville City FC. Um, and you have to wonder, is this a guy that's going to pick up where he left off when he left USL? 103 appearances, Scott, like 72 starts, 12 goals, 11 assists. He's obviously very comfortable in this league. Um, what do you expect out of, out of Jimmy in Louisville City FC? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I expect him to follow in the footsteps of other former FC Cincinnati players who have made their way down to Louisville. I mean, Luke Spencer was a huge success. Obviously, Corbin Bone played a very solid and pivotal role for Louisville last year. I think Jimmy's biggest benefit is that not only does he have killer dance moves and some great celebrations, but he is under the tutelage of John Hackworth, who has shown his attacking specialty when it comes to just providing opportunities. So we've seen different players in different roles and hack be able to get the best out of them. Niall McCabe comes to mind. Obviously we mentioned Corbin bone, Antoine Hopeno, who was so great for Louisville. Um, I think Jimmy has a great opportunity to follow in that vein. And I think what's going to be great is Jimmy's going to be able to play in a preferred position. So he's going to be a, a seven and 11. He's going to be able to really fill the space out wide. And I think that is going to provide a lot of opportunities for whoever else is going to be up front. Um, on a Saturday night for Louisville City FC. And I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy. I hope he brings the the sauce again because he has quite a lot of skill in his bag. And now it's just time to see him in purple instead of blue and orange. And let's not forget that uh, Jimmy and Hack have a lot of history. I mean, they go back, what, five, six years. Um, and it's cool. I think you're seeing a lot of guys now on that Louisville roster that um, were playing together early, early on in their careers as they were maturing and Hack was a part of that process. So I think that's a, a really cool um, note. And I think it's also going to be interesting to see how these Louisville fans embrace Jimmy as someone who was a, a formal rival for uh, just across the river there. So um, excited to see how, how that one pans out. But obviously that has to make our top five list without question. Easy, easy. And I'll say this, you put the ball in the back of the net, Louisville fans are going to love you no matter what you look like or where you came from. <laughs> Amen to that. And another guy who's really good at putting the ball in the back of the net, Jerome Keysweater, who is making his way over uh, to, to FC Tulsa from inner Miami. Um, and, and, and didn't necessarily find, uh, I think his groove with inner Miami had some time with um, the two team in USL league one, but let's go back one more year in 2019 with El Paso. And he came into this league and he hit us hot 10 goals in his first 10 matches. Um, this is a guy who, who knows how to find the back of the net. And I think system probably is a big play in that. And I think that he's going to find that with Tulsa, um, I actually, I found an interesting quote uh, earlier when we were looking through some of his articles is that he really talked openly about how head coach Michael Anison told him on his vision and said, like, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to sell you on this, but also I'm going to sell you on the ownership and mm -hmm. why this is a club that you want to be with, not just for a year, but long-term. And here's, you know, the, the changes that we're making and what the future looks like for us. And I just felt like, 
that alone speaks volumes, right? Like that's, that shows like, okay, this is, this is a, a club that, that wants me and wants me to be a part of their future. And sure enough, they get, they get Jerome for a multi-year deal, which is not very popular in the USL championship space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, Tulsa's got their guy for sure. They've got their number nine. They've got their main man up front. He is somebody who is able to bring a lot of different elements to his game as an attacking threat, which I think Tulsa is going to take advantage of. And maybe not quite as at the same level as like Miami, but Tulsa also made a number of high quality additions that are going to be really sort of the team that fills out around Kiesewetter. And that had to be the biggest selling point, right? When NCN approached him and had that conversation with him, it was, we believe in the crafts and the ownership and the vision they have for this club. We believe in the players who we've brought in and their ability to produce. We need the final piece of the puzzle. That's you, Jerome. Um, so I'm looking forward to literally having him just fly up the center all year and just watch him just basically take every ball from out wide up the middle. And um, listen, you can do 10 and 10. I'd be terrified to have to go up against that guy every single week. I'm so excited to see how he fits in with uh, that system over in Tulsa. And obviously there's a lot of wheels turning over there and a lot of big names uh, putting on a Tulsa kit this season. Let's uh, let's get to our other two here, Scott. Um, we can't name this top five, I think, without putting Jack Blake into, into this scenario. Uh, leaving the Monarchs after two and a half years, going to San Diego Loyal. Um, this is, I think what's interesting about Jack is he's what, 25, 26 years old, um, but brings a ton of experience. I mean, he's, it's interesting. We look at him, you're like, oh, he's, he's a young guy, you know, he's in the, in the prime of his career, but he's also got a lot of experience under his belt. He captained a title winner team in the Monarchs in uh, 2019 against Louisville. He knows what success looks like. And I think he's, he's tasting, he's eager for it after the the season that the Monarchs had. Um, and I think he's going to fill a really nice role there in the middle of the midfield and command uh, a lot of um, that system for, for Landon Donovan and his side. Yeah. And Jack Blake is like an all systems go type player, yeah. right? I mean, he's somebody who we talk about consistency with Speedy Williams. Jack is very much the same, but Jack is so versatile. He's got great skull in the ball. He's obviously a communicative leader, one of a, a, a component that San Diego already has. I mean, they've got guys, um, you've got guys like Colin Martin who are involved. These are great players, but having that captain experience for Jack, when the offseason hit, I'm sure that a lot of Western Conference teams were hoping that Jack Blake would go back to the East and maybe find himself like in a Tampa Bay so they didn't have to face him week in and week out. Now he's a dead ball specialist who's got a fantastic opportunity in San Diego who also rebolstered their squad and has a lot of firepower. So he's going to be, he's going to be the key cog in the machine, I think. Um, but I don't think we've ever been more excited for San Diego's 2.0 than we are right now. Hello, Corey Hartzog. It's a really interesting side there. Rubio Ribbon's obviously gone. Um, you've, you know, you, you've got to restructure a, a few things in place there. Um, going through some tests here in, in preseason also. Um, but I, I think when you look towards the, the Western Conference and somebody's going to make a lot of noise, it's going to be San Diego Loyal. Absolutely. Number five, we'll round this out. Aiden Quinn leaving Orange County for Phoenix Rising, which I'm surprised is, is legal out in the West at this point. Um, obviously, Quinn was, was a rival for with Phoenix for years, a 2018 MVP finalist. Um, but I love, absolutely love this quote, Scott. He said, 
I think it's pretty obvious. They're the best club in the USL, especially the West. Can he wants a trophy and he wants it bad. I mean, he, he, you can't be any more clear about that if you're Aiden Quinn and you have to, and I think that's, you know, what Rick Chance wants out of his, his club, you know, it's, they're a very vocal club. They're, they're, you know, they, they want that hardware and Aiden Quinn, man, he's, he might be the one to help them finally kind of get over that hump. Yeah. I love that. You said they're a very vocal club. They're, they're a very outspoken team. Um, but Phoenix, more than anybody, they do put their money where their mouth is. So you've got to you've got to at least respect them for calling shots. For Quinny, I mean, he's got so much experience in this league. Obviously, Louisville, then we see him out in Orange County. Now I think he's in the ideal landing spot for him. He's a member of a very talented cast of midfielders. He's going to be able to be, I think, a little bit more free. Whereas in Orange County, I think a lot of the onus was on him to really be like a creative playmaker in midfield. And Orange County had a lot of different attacking pieces, and that certainly helped him out. But the profile is different in Phoenix. And so the expectation in his mind is going to be different in Phoenix. Let's see in November if they can prove themselves to be the best team in USL and especially the West. But I love this addition, and I'm excited to see what he has to offer this year. Let's just paint this picture for you guys, okay? Aiden Quinn, Santi Moore, Salma Sante, Rufat Dadashov. I'm sorry. Is anybody else terrified? Because that is a scary attack that Phoenix has built. And uh, they're, they're making that trophy very, very clear. They, they want one thing, and, and that's a championship over at Phoenix Rising. So I love that. I'd be interested to see kind of how he fits in that system. If we're going to see more of a box-to-box eight out of Aiden or, or you know, more of a six, um, I, I think that'll be in, the, in that, those first few weeks, interested to see kind of how he, he lands there. But our, our top five, and you guys, there's, there's so many that we could add to this list. A lot of big um, movement, a, a lot of former um, St. Louis FC players finding some really, really great homes as well. Um, I, I'm excited and uh, there's a lot to look forward to here as as we look to, to opening weekend and, and the you know first few weeks here in May. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, there are there are countless names who I cannot wait to make a worthy mention throughout season three of Steal Some Time this year. I love that. Uh, we're going to move into um, some some more positive news. We're we're shining some praises for for some championship players right now, and we're going to do that um, over for a few former frat bros at, at LSU. I, I love this story. Um, Jesse Hamilton worked at a house cook uh, at, at Phi Gamma Delta at LSU from 1982 to, to 1986, and apparently she's still in contact with the guys who were who were at the house during that time, which is just like incredible, you know. Um, and apparently per, on that onset of the pandemic, one of the frat brothers had called her up and, you know, just checking in how things were going. And she told him like, I am still working a few jobs, you know, trying to make ends meet and not even close to retiring. And they were not cool with that. So they got over 900 alumni, uh, LSU alumni to contribute money to a fund and they raised over $51,000 for, for Jesse Hamilton and not only paid off her new mortgage, um, but they also gave her a little chunk of change to spare. Um, and I just like, 
love that. I think we sometimes need some of that um, energy in our lives and to give back a bit. And this is, this is such a, a cool story. And they were saying, you know, she was like a second mother to all of them. And it's, I think that's like the ultimate payback, right? Like she helped them through college is such a weird time for everyone, you know, and she's there for, for all, all of that. And um, they're able to repair in the highest form possible. So love that one had to share. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's why we have community, one. But two, um, LSU's alumni base is massive. So that's good. I am just very much looking forward to the continuation of the good news story of the week in a time where we need it the most. There's nothing like the buildup to the championship season and um, singing some praise for our friends at Baton Rouge. Perspective. It's everything, right? And, you know, we told you guys that we were going to be implementing some fun new content into the show this year. So this next segment's probably going to be one of my new favorites, largely because food talk, it, it just makes me happy. <laughs> um, but we're we're going to spotlight a new restaurant in a USL market each show. So we're all about supporting local here at Ed Steel sometime. And we took to Twitter this past week and you guys came back with some heat. Uh, so today's feature is going to be on Coney Islander over in Tulsa. So shout out to the Tulsa Lunatics for a great nomination here. As a Cincy girl, you know I love my chili and my conies, but let me just paint this picture here for you, Scott. Frito pie. Mm. Just let that sit for a second. I have to get out to Tulsa and get one of those. Maybe we make our rounds, you know, this year or, or next. Um, but pictures do it justice enough and mouthwatering to say the least. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for this segment mainly so I can just start marking all these places down and probably hitting up some, some fans around the league and saying like, yeah, just ship that out to Tampa if we can't make it to you. But um, shout out to the lunatics, one of the best supporter groups that we have in the championship and um, a very solid first recommendation to kick this off. I did a little bit of creeping, you know, Coney Islander. They've got a lot of great offerings, chili cheese conies, <laughs> Frito pies, chili just across the menu in, in general. I love it. Um, so, you know, support local, get out there to your local businesses. And we're going to ask for Rex every so often. Um, we got a nice little uh, bank there from our, our first ask on Twitter last week. So just be sure to keep tabs up on um, on our Twitter pages for a chance to, to feature your favorite food. And hopefully at some point, Scott and I can, can get out to them and try them for ourselves selfishly. Um, but also just for the good of the people too. So <laughs> it does everybody good, honestly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're going to take a, a quick break here. Um, but when we come back, we're going to get into our first interview of the season. The athletics Jeff Reuter is going to be joining us. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, soccer fans, this is Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. The Athletic's Jeff Reuter joins us now. Jeff, I think I'm going to get you a t-shirt at this point that says, Steal Some Time's All-Time Leader. What, what do you think? Listen, if anyone challenges me for that title, book me immediately. This needs to be, a, this is like a resume piece for me at this point, is like, a podcast has kept coming back to the well. Apparently something's going right with what I say. And uh, please book me, please, whatever it takes. Just, I don't know. I'll wear, I'll wear whatever t-shirts. I mean, like this one, I, I am actually very much a fan of, but I'll wear a t-shirt if it comes to my doorstep. I really will. I'm a medium, so. 
There you go. I'm a medium. <laughs> Just call the shot. No, it's good to be back. Genuinely, it's been it's been too long. It it just feels good to like talk soccer. And also, Scott, this is the first time I've been on the show where you've actually shown your face slash said words, and I'm very yeah, proud of you for this I'm personal here. growth. I'm yeah. here. We're doing things differently in season three. This is this so, is a big deal. So, what's your segment? Is it going to be like uh, hot stew, where like you are you are cooking up takes, you're coming with it? Is it like uh, great Scott? Or no, Scott Clean, wow. where you're talking about all white jerseys and you're just like, look how clean these jerseys look. Like, what's what's yours? What do you got? Dude, I honestly think that we should have stuck with Stu on this, where I just like <laughs> spit out like a, a medium level take and then everybody just gets to kind of just like meditate on it They're for like, the whole hmm. week. Um, we'll see though. We're refining it. Good. Good. <laughs> Jeff, how, how have you been? What's shaking? What's new? uh i'm fine i mean i don't know it's uh it, it's i haven't been to a soccer game since the usl championship final in 2019 um it's a long time and i feel like it, it's interesting this is way too like where's jeff's brain at right now but it is very difficult to just be like on your sofa or at your desk and that is your only interaction with the sport and yeah you've got zooms you've got phone calls, whatever, but everyone has some form of Zoom fatigue and phone calls are always sort of a, you don't know if you have 100% of their attention. So the interviews have been strange. Uh, Being around the game is just going to be so cathartic once I'm able to. Uh, I I think four days after my second dose of the the Pfizer vaccine hits, I'm going to be going to Allianz Field in the stands and just sitting there because I can now. And uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. But it's been, uh, yeah, I don't know, a lot of baking. (laughs) this off season honestly a lot of baking you work in the sport for the adrenaline rush largely you know like players talk about that being a big part of the sport for them it's a big part of of the sport for us as as people who cover it and and that's largely why we gravitate towards it so not having it for a year and a half I mean it hurts like we we want it just as bad as as they do I I found that I had to stop watching European soccer Mm. And they all call it soccer in Europe. So I'm just going to keep calling it soccer. Um, But like they, for whatever reason, it was just like, it was too similar to what I had just gone through. And it was like, someone had just turned on a fire hose from the month of July until December between like the USL and major league soccer and and covering both leagues at a macro level. It was just so much to be watching that at a certain point, I just needed to like flip that off and maybe part of that flip that switch. I should say not flip that off, Uh, but both. And, and I think there's also just a part of me that like, I, I just needed a break. <laughs> I needed to be able to actually like, yeah, I still write, you know, like I, I, there wasn't much by ways of days off or whatever, but I just needed to like want games to start again and not be like, oh yeah, it's like the exact same as like what I just saw in the championship, like what's going on. So um, yeah, it, it's been a good reset, a necessary reset, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to get after it. We're incorporating a new theme into the in our interview segments th- this year, um, just because 2020 was just so nuts, right? And, and so unexpected. Um, and you mentioned baking. So I was going to ask you, how did you keep yourself busy during quarantine? Like, did you pick up any hobbies, skills? Did you like binge the circle? Um, like what, what was... What, what, how are you a better person now, Jeff? How am I a better person? Is anyone a better person? I think that, um, 
I got a bike trainer. That was crucial okay. to me because then as I would be watching, I mean, like I burned through the new Animaniacs in like two nights, but like, as I was sitting there watching it, I would be like, yeah, that is, there you go. Here's your like hard, serious classic sports writer talking about the Animaniacs on the sports podcast. Um, but I would just like be riding and spinning on my bike trainer. And so that way, at least I was able to be working off all of the bread that I was making and, and, and all of that. I mean, like I really just sunk into cooking um, a little bit of snowshoeing. We've got a out of, of quarantine best dish i mean like i have perfected chicken wings and that sounds like something where it's like not a great flex but it is so difficult to have it where it's actually like you have to chew through something but it's still tender and juicy on the inside yeah. and then whether it's dry rub or sauced whatever so i've been able to figure out the perfect way to do that and so um i think i'll win some friends over when i can meet people again other than that um yeah, baguettes. I mean, like I've, I've just been, I don't know, like it's just been like a lot. I haven't necessarily done a great job at documenting all this and keeping track of like this recipe went well, this one didn't. I just kind of keep trying. I don't post a ton on Instagram either. So, you know, I'll forget a lot of this, but that's for the best. I'd rather not remember my pandemic winter in Minnesota. So that's okay. Do you, do you smoke them or do you grill them? Uh, bake them actually. Yeah, you can oven bake them and it's just like you know some baking powder to help get the texture right on the outside and then whatever dry rub you want salt pepper garlic salt i have a couple of special seasoning blends that i've come up with over time and then you bake them you flip them halfway through and then you yeah i know it's it, what else have i been doing i haven't watched soccer <laughs> like <laughs> no this is good quality content quality content why people come to steal some time to hear about how soon to flip the wings on the <laughs> pan in the oven that's I mean, that's your whole demographic right there, honestly. I mean, I can talk about food on the show for an hour and a half. Everyone knows that. Um, but great. we've got some championship takes to talk about, uh, Jeff Reuter. So you know we're going to put you on blast because it's what yeah, we do. Um, and I want to come out of the gate here with just some fire. Um, so so right off the bat here, who's, uh, who's your MVP pit? I am so going to go with... Bruno Lapa this wow. year. Okay. Yeah. I I like a lot of so when I when I vote MVP, I'm not necessarily just saying who's your golden boot winner. I, and I know that there are a lot of voters who will conflate the two, and I completely understand why, because it's the quickest way to do this. But I, I do think that there's something to be said about yes, creating your own chances, but also creating the chances for others that help gets your team across the board. So I, I do actually put an outsized value on assists as I'm voting for an MVP. And of course, like I, I am not shy. I voted a goalkeeper for MVP, I think two years ago, um, or a defender. It was one or the other. Like I, I am all over the place with my ballot. So I'm the worst person to ask. But uh, yeah, I, I like Bruno Lapa. I thought that he had a really strong season last year. I think that with, you know, a full season that will help the, the goal scorers are there around him. I think that Birmingham, the defense is better as well. Uh, and so I think that they'll have more time on the ball. They will be able to control the game. I think that they do truly facilitate through Lapa, which goes to his favor. It's not where he's one of three or as is often the case in the Eastern conference, both wingers are being asked to do a lot of the facilitation as well, which kind of splits the difference, especially if you think of a term like a Louisville or an Indy 11, uh, by and large, that's where the creation goes, but they are truly going centrally, which makes it easier to uh, confidently say that, I guess, in, in regards to him. But uh, I, I think that Birmingham is, is set up for a strong third season this season. And so when in doubt, choose the most important player to a team that's pretty good. 
I is mean, how I like to pick it. The name of the game for the MVP? It should be. Should and then be. sometimes it's just the golden boot gets a second trophy because one's not enough. I don't know. But yep. all right. So speaking about you. Of what boot, about you? I feel like you should say some stuff too. <laughs> already, Jeff. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the show. I will have to listen to the show. Is this the show that has been recorded but not released? And so I'm just sitting here like, yeah, great episode, great take. Excellent. Yeah, don't put us on blast here. The people cannot know the process, Jeff. Okay, trust the process. You're right. You're right. Anyways, Golden Boot. Uh, Rufat Dadashev, mm. who does not play with Bruno Lapa, but uh, I, I think it's just remarkable that with how much talent Phoenix continues to put together and how they, they truly get too deep at some positions. They're like three deep at several positions where it's just like, okay, like you're good. You'll be fine. An injury won't derail your season. I trust you. Uh, but I do think it is, it was interesting to see last year that even with junior Flemings and um, Solomon Asante there, so much of it still did go through Dadashov throughout the season. And, and so many, I mean, just chances being created around him, the attack facilitating toward him. Adam John was very similar in 2019 as well. So I think that system that Rick Chance has will continue to create those chances for strikers. And, and I think that he is also a pretty safe bet to be in that spot. I, I would say that uh, Sebastian Guinzotti also would have a pretty good shot depending if Juan Tejada comes back into form. If he doesn't, that's frankly better for Guinzotti in terms of trying to get a golden boot. But if it is like a true two-striker setup, it may take away a few different goals from him. But uh, yeah, I think at this point, when in doubt, just kind of choose the striker at Phoenix and you're, you've got a pretty good chance if history serves. Odds are in your favor. Right, yeah. So that's who I'm going with. And I liked your pick earlier as well. I thought that, that was a really strong selection. Uh, that your listeners will respond kindly to. So, <laughs> I appreciate the love, Jeff. You are just too kind. Gotcha. Uh, we're gonna keep this moving. Okay. Um, other end uh, of the pitch, Golden Glove. Yeah. All right. Um, it's an interesting pool this year, I will say, because I think that. MLS did a better job of pilfering the USL for goalkeepers. And I've been saying this for years. There's like, if there's any position where you should just go all in on USL talent, it's goalkeeper. Cause there are a lot of very good domestic goalkeepers. And so like Kyle Morton's gone, um, Cody Bazell has gone, Evan Newton's gone, Ben Lunt is back in MLS after being on loan for the last couple of years, right? Like there is kind of a changing of the guard feel um, where I'm not sure I have as clear of a front runner as maybe I would in the past, but I, the goalkeeper I'm most interested in watching this year, maybe I'll go with that. And I'm just going to say that he'll win the gold gloves because I don't know. It's better for the segment is uh, Trey Muse uh, at San Diego. I really like that move for him. I, I can distinctly remember him down the stretch playing at Tacoma against New Mexico when New Mexico needed like one point to be able to jump over a team in the standings. And he just made save after save after save. And the defense was porous. Let's be honest. In New Mexico, the, the entire time, it was just get the ball to Sandoval, keep going, get it to Kvon Freider, Chris Wien just sending in all these crosses. These are current and former players in New Mexico United that I'm just going to name to prove that I remember that season. And, uh, and, and Muse was just, it, it happens. And he was just like so quick at like reflex saves. He was positioned so well. He was catching his saves instead of sending them right back into the gauntlet. Like he just had fared so well. And, and the thought for coming out of that game had been if he had a, a better or maybe just like a more dedicated, committed 
uh, back line in front of him that he was working with building that sort of synergy. Uh, how could he fare? I mean, John Kempen did pretty well for San Diego last year as well. And he, he came up in big moments, but I think over the course of a full season with some of the players that they have brought in, uh, I, I am very excited. And I think that Trey Muse has potential to have a very good season and put himself in a good spot to challenge for the Seattle Sounders in 2022. Yeah. The goalkeeper a lot this year is anyone's game truly. Um, and I think it's a cool opportunity, right? Like a lot of these big USL names that we're used to year after year, aren't really in that conversation anymore. Um, so right. I think we're going to see a, a few really rise this year and, um, and hit a nice peak. So, um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that golden gloves is really, none of us are going to get it right. I Probably honestly, not. I think it's going to be, um, one of those that we go back on and be like, Hmm. Right. Oh yeah, of course. Right. right. All right. Two more for you here. Um, who's your dark horse? To win the league or to win an award? General. Who's your dark General horse? General dark horses. I've got a few. Um, I, I'll give you a few per conference. How's that? I yeah, feel like... on brand for Jeff Ruder, So The please. thing is, the more teams that I mention, the fewer angry fan bases I have in my Twitter mentions. So if I can just like compliment the entire league in one segment, great. Perfect. Um. I think in the West, just in terms of teams that could have, that I feel like could exceed what they did in 2020. I know 2020 was such an odd season for for every single team, but maybe would be better positioned after the off season. I I mean, San Diego on paper had a fantastic uh, off season. I think that they addressed all areas of the field. We talked about Trey Muse, but of course they've had key additions genuinely everywhere across the field. The hard part, of course, is integrating all of these players in and they and I would say Miami FC has a very similar issue. They didn't really get a good season to understand what their core would be moving from year one to year two. They didn't get a really uh, kind of authentic representation of what you can expect from a lot of these players. So I think that there's been a lot of leaps of faith, both in terms of the players who have been retained, as well as the players who have been uh, moved on to other clubs or just are no longer part of their team. So uh, I think that San Diego could, could make a major leap this year. I, I think that San Antonio could afford to fare better. If you're talking about postseason performance, that has always been, the question has never been if San Antonio FC has the talent, they always have had a good roster. They do spend on it. The, the hard part is that whether it's Alan Marcina or the coaches before, him they struggled in the postseason last year it was against new mexico years past it's been uh it's been an open question for a long time they've lost christian pirano is jose gallegos going to be able to step up is he still going to be there right and and then leo torres is he able to get some minutes in the attack to make sure you don't miss him uh i I think that they could have uh if they are able to play up to their level that would imply that they would be among the final four teams in the western conference and then in the East, Charleston Battery, I feel like are, are set up to be maybe a more serious challenger than people are giving them credit for. Uh, I think that FC Tulsa, I almost said the dead name, FC Tulsa is also set up to be um, potentially strong. I know that getting Jerome Kiesewetter back into the USL, it could go one of two ways because he was so electric for El Paso because he was really pushing to earn a chance in MLS. He didn't really get a fair shake in MLS. He didn't, he was mostly at Fort Lauderdale CF for the majority of the season instead of inner Miami. And so if he is seeing this again as a prove it season, he could be a dark horse for golden boot as well. Uh, Or, or maybe there's a slight regression, but I think that if you do get a version of him that is close to as 
motivated and consistent as he was with Locomotive in 2019. Uh, I think Tulsa is a much better team for it. And then I just think in general, we see so much overturn in Pittsburgh Riverhounds roster every single season. And I think that as we have these conversations about who are the favorites, who are the contenders, everyone says, yeah, well, they lost, you know, two years ago, it was Joan Greenspan and Canardo. And, you know, like we, we, you can list all of these players that have come and gone. Steven Dos Santos, you can talk about um, Robbie Mertz this year and say like, okay, well, they're going to be, worse off but time and time again Bob Lilly has proved a lot of people wrong with his eye for talent his development style I think Danny Griffin could have a huge year in the midfield so uh, I, I wouldn't rule out Pittsburgh but on paper it is very difficult to make that case and say uh, you know among the top two or three teams in the conference confidently so I think that they'd just be in that dark horse tier below I think it's fair because you look at Pittsburgh and there's no super shiny signings, right? Like there's, right. there's not a lot that you're like, holy crap, like that, that you, that makes you think like you've seen with San Diego a lot this off season. Right. Um, yeah. But that being said, like you have to, I, I think any of us can, can probably go out and say that Bob Lilly is the most consistent coach we have in this league. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, Full stop. And, and I think we overlook a, a lot of the, the shiny signings and, and not think so much about that um, route. So i appreciate you for kind of putting us in our place a little bit. Cause uh, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking river hounds at all. In, in right. Space. Right. And I, I, it feels disingenuous to mention a team that consistently finishes towards the right. top of the Eastern conference as a dark horse. Right. But again, it is a factor that is so unique. And I will also say in terms of uh, keeping a broader open mind once if, okay, if loan restrictions are loosened from MLS to the USL, this will affect some independent clubs, right? Uh, but I think it will really impact the MLS two teams, which had previously been serious contenders throughout the year who had relied on some of those kind of tweener players who are yo-yoing between MLS and the USL. Real Monarchs, Red Bulls two, probably the two best examples of that. Uh, Sporting Kansas City two is another one. Um, if they are able to get more of those players in, I think that, they might start the season slowly because they do still have the same sort of one week quarantine mandate uh, mandate if you're going to be coming back to your MLS team. But I do think that if they are able to lessen that safely, it could make those teams even stronger down the home stretch and could be, if not title contenders, thorns in the side for any team that looks and says, oh, great, we got an MLS two team. Let's circle that as a dub. Probably not going to be a dub if they have their full complement of players. I love that. Finish off your list here. Who's uh, who's going to be there in November? USL Championship Final. Yeah, who are the other thirteen teams in each conference? Um, okay. I think <laughs> I think that you've you've seen this off season the stronger contenders strengthening, and I, I think that you are starting to see for the first time in the USL Championship teams truly start to separate themselves from the pack in terms of talent and consistency, developing a core, coaching ability, what have you, whatever all of those factors are, I think that there really are, to me, three teams per conference, look at this, that I would be considering to say uh, could be favorites. So we're going to get through 12 teams in this segment, and I am over the moon. In the West, it starts with Phoenix. It really does. I mean, for all the reasons we talked about with Dadashov, it's just the most talented roster in the USL. Bar none. Uh, El Paso has made the last two conference finals. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. I knew it, dude, I was going to say, I was literally going to bring it up at the end of the interview. If we did not get an El Paso mention, of course you're getting we, an El Paso mention. would really mention. be questioning the, the longevity of this podcast. I know. I know. Listen, some things are timeless, baby. Uh, yeah, it's uh, look, I mean, like they, the question with them has never been 
if the players meet the system. It has never been in-game management necessarily either. I think that Mark Lowry has done very well with his halftime adjustments. The question is, will they be able to be durable enough to handle an extended season like this? Because last year, they were the oldest team in the USL. They didn't have a single player under the age of 25. That's unbelievable to me, which means they're offering, to be fair, that's a lot of players who are going to be established. They're going to be uh, not so much, you know, you are helping me progress in my career. It's I am here and I'm here to contribute. But you do need some of those players who are going to be hungry, who are going to be pushing the level. I think that they have tried to get younger this year. I, I think the question then will be injuries. Last year, they were playing a center back and a midfielder at center back down the stretch. So if, if they can keep players fit, that'll be massive. If they can get a little more creativity. They lost Omar Salgado. So there's going to be some questions as well with the attack, but I would still put them there. And then Sacramento, I think would be the other team in the West that I'm looking at. I think that they've had a pretty good off season. I think that they're going to be incredibly motivated coming off of the, the sideshow stuff that's been going on with the, uh, the MLS bid falling through and with the NWSL bid now up in question, I think now it's okay. Let's put everything back in the USL and let's prove that this club's here for the long haul. Chance creation is going to be a question for me. If they're playing a 4-3-3, I don't see a lot of players who are going to be progressive passers and who are going to be able to work the ball into the final third. But if they can figure that out or if they just have to bunker and win 1-0, I think that they're equipped for that. But of those three, I'm going to say Phoenix because it's Phoenix. I don't know. They've just always been there, right? And and I know this is going to be a really boring segment because the East is probably going to sound very similar. You've got Tampa, right? Returning a lot of the same core, really motivated to be able to get to that final. They were so close to finally playing in a final and then they couldn't. And I think that there's just that sort of bittersweet, um, all bitter, no sweet, actually sort of end of the season where they're going to be wanting to prove them wrong. Louisville uh, always is in that discussion. Uh, deservedly, I think that John Hackworth has done a tremendous job and Danny Cruz in establishing that culture. They'll want the stadium to host the final. They're going to be very determined to make that the case. They've got Racing Louisville now in town as well, who's going to be drawing some eyes either to them or away from them, where they're going to be at, hey, don't forget about us. So I think that that could be big for them. And then Birmingham, I mean, I already talked about Birmingham Legion and uh, how I think that they've had a tremendous offseason Um Signing Flemings, of course, will help the attack, but uh, Faniel Cavita is going to help even more, I would say, in defense to just really shore them up in these big games um, and give them someone who can mark the best strikers in the East. So of those three, I'm just going to say let's let's run it back to 2018 or, uh, you know, let's get Louisville. Let's get Louisville there and then Phoenix. And uh, I guess I would say Louisville to host, which means they're probably winning the regular season. That's my final. It's boring, but it's it's a good pick. <laughs> Strong showing, Jeff. This was a quality appearance for you. This was a good yeah. this was a good 65, 70 minute shift on week one. Yeah. Yeah, that bike trainer, I told you. It's just it's endurance <laughs> training. It's being able to, to get through him. I'm glad I actually took notes this time so I could reference something and didn't forget my points. Lying. Every USL fan is lying if you don't if you don't agree that a Phoenix Louisville final would be entertaining and in the, in the top caliber of of talent that we have in this league. I, just, I think I think that's hard to argue. It is, yeah, and and it's it's not even just the the talent. It's the they've proven it. And I think as I'm looking at the teams I've, I've called dark horses and some of the other teams I've written off among my finalists, they haven't proven it, right? I think that San Diego, it's so tempting to just go all in and say with that offseason, it's a very ideal roster. They didn't make the playoffs last year, right? And, and part of that was due to difficult circumstances. Most of it, of course, because of 2020 in general. But 
they still have a step that they could afford to take or two steps before they're truly seen as that title favorite. I think you look at El Paso, they haven't gotten over that hump. Would they be able to this year if everyone's healthy at Phoenix? Might be an ask too far. You know, I, I think that there are a lot of these teams where, I mean, Birmingham, I think the exact same case, frankly, as um, San Diego, where it's just you need to be able to progress and build into that. Are there surprises every year? But rarely is it a surprise that's going all the way to the championship final. Usually that's a surprise where you maybe get a semifinal berth and then you move out. So, Wow. Jeff, for, for being a little wary about uh, your preparation, you came in here and hit it out of the, out of the park. Championship coming, soccer's back, a lot to look forward to uh, in 2021. Holistically, what are you looking forward to mm. most about the season? being in a stadium again can I just go with that I think that there's just yeah I mean like every single sport has suffered without fans I I say golfers have maybe been more focused but I think that on the whole every single sport has suffered without fans there but I would argue that none have suffered more than professional soccer uh when especially when you consider uh I mean if there's an away section I know that's always so tricky given how far away these are but away sections are tremendous supporter sections help a lot. Um, and then being able to see the, you know, the multiple thousand who are neither supporters or enemy supporters who are still there and, and helping add to that atmosphere is just so vital to getting into these games and keeping your focus and not pulling out your phone and looking what else is going on in the world. So I will very much be looking forward to getting back there. I'm looking forward to check out some new stadiums and some stadiums that I haven't seen since they were finishing construction. Um, yeah, I just think that overall there's there's a lot of potential still just in terms of some of these markets to really step up and, and make that sort of jump forward. Like, I mean, you know, Charleston, Tulsa, you know, some of these that really want to establish themselves. Uh, on the flip side, I think that on field, there is a vacancy in years past because usually I, I think that maybe I'll have one in time for next week. It might be in May, but I put out a list of USL players with MLS potential. We're probably over time at this point, but I'm just going to keep talking because I missed you. Uh, but I think that there's a uh, <laughs> frequent guests. This happens. Um, there's a bit of a gap right now. There's, there's a little bit of that vacancy in terms of the young players you're looking at and saying like, of course they would be able to kick it. You know, Tyler Pasher finally got his move. Uh the goalkeepers that we talked about moving in mass, you know, I think that you've seen a couple of defensive midfielders finally get their chances as well, where now you need to see that next group of players step up. And I'm always very excited to see who steps into that vacancy, who can be that next Mark Anthony K, that Brian Anunga, uh, Daniel Rios, and really be able to stamp their impact. And so I'm going to be very excited to follow those players as well. If you're listening to this and you're not hyped for, for what's to come over the next six, seven months, um, stop listening, you know, like, well, we, the episode's <laughs> over so they can stop listening at this point. <laughs> now, as always, uh, Jeff, uh, appreciate your time and your insight and, and you have me really motivated and excited. And I think everyone can, can say the same. We're ready to be at games. We're ready to see games. Um, and just truly looking forward to it. Sounds good. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to the food scene in whatever city. Finally, I can get to Omaha did not let me down. Louisville did not let me down. St. Louis did not let me down. Bless up to St. Louis. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Steal some times, all time leader, the athletics, Jeff Ruder. Jeff, thanks for stopping by. It's always such a pleasure. When we come back. We're going to give you our hot takes. Scott and Kelsey's coming back with our predictions for the 2021 season.
Hey guys, this is Mark Anthony K, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome back in to Steal Some Time. Jeff Reuter never fails to, to make a uh, memorable ex- experience on our show. Um, but but for what it's worth, um, he, he's got me like gearing up, Scott. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling ready to to see some uh, some soccer here. Like, let's just do the thing. He was the hype train that we needed to get going. He was like truly the coal for our train. And now we're here. I'm, I'm ready. Um, and he honestly made a lot of really good picks that I think are all inaccurate, but are still really, really good picks at the end of the day. And, and we're going to go with our picks now. Um, and Scott and I thought we'd have some fun with it this um, season. So for those of you that are watching the video um, instead of listening, we, we still appreciate you lovely um, listeners, but we're going to hold ourselves accountable and, and put up our, our votes at the same time. That way, you know, you guys know that um, uh, Scott's not copying me by any means. Um, uh, he, he's truly thinking for himself. <laughs> I know we're all concerned. Um, so let's uh, let's get out of the gate here. You want to go uh, a big one first, USL Championship final and winner? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, three, two, one. Miami, San Diego, your winner, Miami. Yep. I'm going to Rowdies, New Mexico with the Tampa Bay Rowdies winning the crown that they had so coveted in 2020. It'll be theirs in 2021. So I will say, um, after our conversation um, with Jeff, I I do think I I overlooked Tampa Bay uh, quite a bit when when we were prepping the show. Um, And I think, like, as I look back on it now, largely because they, they didn't lose a lot and they didn't bring in a lot. Um, they're, they're largely that same squad that they were, um, in 2020. So I think where I'm at is, is that good enough when you're meeting some of those sides? Don't overlook Steven Dos Santos as a signing. Yeah. I, yes. I, I, that's, that's the, the, really the biggest one though, right? I'm honestly, I'm a lot more disappointed that no one has mentioned New Mexico at all. They have Alex Tambacus in goal. They've no, got Sam Hamilton. They've got Austin Yearwood. They've got Josh Shugs. They've got Kalen Rydenback. They've got Brian Brown, Ilya Illich, and Devin Sandoval up front. Troy Lacine is going to make a monster out of that team this year. It's so hard. <laughs> it's good, though. Miami, San Diego, tropical. Okay, I respect that. Tampa Bay, New Mexico, um, not as much, but we still like it. Yeah, here, here's my quick my, my quick thing. Um, San Diego's not had a good preseason, um, and that was very similar to last season. Did not have a great preseason. I think they're a slow burn, um, and I think they're going to come on when it matters, and um, and and Lynn's going to get that team to click at, at the right at the right moment. So I think they've got a lot in place. They're just working out the kinks right now, and I've got some confidence there. Miami is truly just a we're just going to do this. You know, like I just, I think that they've got some, I, I really like what they've done with that roster. I'm a, a massive speedy Williams fan. Um, speedy welcomed me into his kitchen a few years ago and I'll never forget that experience. Um, and I, I just, I, I feel good about Miami um, this year. And I just thought everyone can go Tampa Bay and Phoenix any day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have some fun in 2021 because there's no rules anymore. We're just out here living. I love yeah. it. I'm a big fan. Let's go MVP. Three, two, one. 
Jordan Hamilton of Indy 11. I'm actually, I'm with Jeff Reuter on this. And to prove that this was not a copy, I showed that Jeff, Jeff Reuter, that this was my case. I'll go real quick. I'm not going to say much more than what Jeff said. I think Bruno Lapa is one of the most creative players in the league. He's got plenty of firepower around him to both score and provide uh, in the assist column this year. I just think when we look at it, it's probably going to make the most sense for us. No, I agree. And I, I really liked uh, Jeff's case. I, I went Jordan. Um, I, I think a lot of people kind of forgot that that signing happened uh, with Indy 11. Um, and this is a guy that's 24 years old and has probably, you know, top tier, top, I don't know, five, 10 percent of experience in the league um, as a whole. And is a guy who's known for, for scoring goals. So yeah. um, I, I'm hoping he uh, lives up to, to my height there. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely one of the, the coolest newcomers to watch, I think. Yeah. yeah. Did, did we go Golden Boot there or MVP? That was MVP. Let's go Golden MVP. Boot. Yeah, because I, I went same for Golden Boot. So I, oh, I, did, I did with Jeff Bates, and I went and I went Jordan Hamilton. I'm yes, I love Dev. that. I'm going Big Dev. I think he's I got, love he's, that. He's got a nice attacking compliment. And I think a lot of people would say, okay, they signed Ilya Illich. They signed Brian Brown. Won't that take away from Devin? Devin is a vacuum. That dude is a yeah. sleeper. He's just going to knock every single chance, every single rebound right back in. I think there's no better person to have leading the line when you just throw it in the mixer than Devin Sandoval. I hope I'm. I, I really do hope I'm proven wrong. I love that pick. I, I'm. I'm fully. Um, I'm fully behind that, Scott. Love that. Thank you. Thank you. That might be my only one this year. <laughs> All right, Golden Glove. Golden Glove. Oh. Sean Lewis, that's a great pick. Yeah, yeah, I like I like Ketterer as well. Also, he's just like one of my favorite people on social media, like period. Well, and I went with Logan because um, I think Jeff Jeff brought up something that I very much agree with. Um, the big question for El Paso this year is their durability, right? Like, can they make it a full season the way that they play? Whether they can or not, I think is not contingent on their defense, but their attack. I think if they sacrifice on one end of the field, it's going to be a lot more likely to be their attack. And I think defensively, they're going to be one of the best teams. Hence why I think Logan's going to end up um, with the golden glove. I love that. And I, I love him in the net. Sean's just, there's a lot to like, you know, he's coming off the, the best season, of his career. I think he really shined in that Western conference final um, last year. And I think what we're going to see, we talked about it earlier. FC Tulsa ha has just brought on so many um, keys to, to their, uh, their starting 11 and really the, the squad as a whole. Um, but I think that Sean Lewis is going to match that um, intensity that FC Tulsa's uh, bringing this year. So um, I'm excited about that one. Yeah. They're a good pick. I'm with it. All right, last one here, Dark Horse. Um, yeah, I think mine's like pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, Miami. It, That's solid. Is Sack? Can they be a, a dark horse? I believe that they can. Um, I think that Jeff. Again, I'm just going to keep going back to Jeff a little bit. Um, I think he brought up a good point in that Sacramento is not quite a fully baked side. I think his concerns on formation, I don't quite share, be, mainly because I think Sacramento has enough speed up top where even if they had to go long ball, they would still find a way to get it forward. Um, but I think that combined with the guys that are bringing back, they've brought in some good talent. I think Duke Lacroix is going to be somebody who is going to be utilized very well 
by that system. And then you got guys who have been around that system for a while who very much know how to play Mitchell Tainer, Kamawasa, Carlton Belmar. Like you've got good quality names in there. Um, I just, when I was looking at the list of teams, they weren't the one that jumped off the page, which means that they were the one that I'm throwing in the dark horse category. Which I think is very sack. Like very seldomly are they going to jump off of that page, you know? Um, I I think that they're a lot like San Diego, a little bit of a slow burn at times. Um, So I don't hate that, but I do think that we saw them emerge um, a bit more last year as we were waiting, I think, for a few years to see sack do. Um, But but, uh, I'm okay okay with that. Um, And I think obviously um, Miami, I'm just putting a lot of eggs in that basket. Um, So that I could really you know, go up in flames. Um, but, I was going to ask you though. So Miami qualifies as a dark horse, even though they've, they've got to be close to the front runners in the conversation. I mean, did you see the, the 2019 Miami FC team? <laughs> All love guys, right. but like right. the, the 360 here. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap this preview section up here, um, Scott, with, with a nice buy or sell. So Phoenix has undoubtedly been the front runner in the West, uh, what, last three years, we can pretty confidently say. Um, they're missing a lot of key pieces in the back. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about what their, their, their system there in the back is looking right now. But they made some solid additions up top. I'm not sure if those cancel each other out by any means, um, but worth talking about. Buy or sell that Phoenix's reign in the West is over. Mm. The reign in the West is over. I'm going to sell it. Um, and I told you, I was going to be a lot more definitive this year. Last year, I, I kind of towed the line a little bit. Um, I'm going to sell it. Here, people. Yeah, I know. It's all about consistency this year. I'm going to sell it mainly because they've brought back enough talent all across the board that I don't think that they're going to be willing to um, settle for anything less than first. And I think that they they might finish the regular season anywhere from first to third, no further than third, though. There's no way they'll drop off. And then when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, last year, I think one of the most impressive part of their run was just their resiliency. I mean, they were truly just the side, like, and they played some tough teams. I mean, even going all the way into the Western Conference final, they were the side who proved it best. We're a never say die team. And if that means we have to go 120 minutes and we're literally like on our last leg, we've got Zach Lumen in goal. He's going to save some penalties. We've got enough just poise in us as a team and as a system that I think they're going to if they don't dominate the West this year, they're going to be very, very clear front runners to make it right back to the championship final. So, so you do think they're, they're the clear front runner? I do. I mean, I have New Mexico yeah. in my final, mainly because yeah. I think they've got a lot of talent. Um, and I'm just, I'm just all bets on Troy Lacine, if I'm being honest. Always. But, I mean, Phoenix, they haven't lost anybody big enough for me to say, mm, I'm actually going to you know, kind of turn a side eye over at somebody else. I think they they can very clearly establish themselves, and I don't think they're going to start slow. I think they're going to show from the first week that they have what it takes. It'd be out of character if they started it slow. Would. It would. Now, they won't be 25-game winning streak, Phoenix, in my mind, right. but they will very much be at or near the top the whole season. I'm fine with that because I really don't do not need a shotgun another beer on Twitter for another day in my life. So That's true. I'm- That's true. Although your technique was <laughs> yeah. solid enough. Four years of college at Ohio University will do that to you, Scott. 
let's talk let's talk some a little bit of a, a social movement this week because we've got a, a, a few big ones to talk about um kid seasons here first and foremost best time of the year obviously the season's kicking off but you gotta look good while you're doing it you know um and we're we're gonna hit a few big ones here um let me know your, your favorite but uh, that, that San Antonio alternate jersey with the gray stripe is just a beautiful, beautiful look. Um, I love, love me a New Mexico United third kit. And they always come out with something just super different. And this year is probably the most different they've ever done. Um, I, I love everything about it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful um, color. It's not their colors either, which I think is really um it's like, what's what that third kit should be, you know? Um, I, I love that. But the Greenwood patch over with, with Tulsa, I think, is such a nice um, homage to, to the Tulsa uh, race massacre and just that city um, of Greenwood as a whole. So a, a great touch over um, for that club. Uh, and Charlotte hit us um, with, with their home kit as well, which is a, a nice look. Do, do you have a favorite coming out of that? Yeah, I mean, um, one kind of dark horse that I'd throw in there is OKC's sort of pink and green, almost like Eastery kit that they had going on. I was a fan. Um, I respect New Mexico stepping outside of the black and yellow bubble, and I like it a lot. But that San Antonio shirt is just beautiful. I mean, I would I would wear that at my cousin's wedding. I would wear that to the office. I would wear that to Publix. Like that shirt knows no limits of possibilities. It's class. It's chic. It's just beautiful. San Antonio out of the park. It's, it's such a great, someone uh, who who will not be named messaged me uh, on Instagram. I had like posted the, uh, the San Antonio kit on my story and they were like that, uh, that, that kit's cold. And I was like, is that, is that good or bad? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not following. Um, and they were like, no, that, that's a good thing. Like that's, that's a sick kit. And I'm like, obviously I am not with the times here. So um, super cold kit uh, over there with, with San Antonio. They always bring it. I, I love their, their checkered kit. Um, uh, and they do, they do great things over there in San Antonio. Yeah. Icy, icy, cold, whatever it is. We're just going to run with it. Just start attaching <laughs> superlatives and they'll stick. <laughs> And listen, we cannot go out of the, the social moment of the week without talking about Marshawn Lynch joining the investment group uh, of Oakland, Oakland Roots. Is that the most unexpected news this year? Probably. I don't know. Um, but can we talk about the quote from, from his release, though? He said... He said, I quote, giving kids in my hometown a pro soccer club and players to look up to and a team that it that this community and city can get hella excited about was something I had to get down with. And if that isn't the most one Marshawn Lynch quote ever, but two, just like that's so important, you know, like that, that, that says a lot um, about a guy of his caliber wanting to give back to his city. Um, and and I think that's, that's a, a heck of a way to start the, the 2021 campaign. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's just like, if you haven't seen it, go check out the Sports Nation clips with Marshawn. Like, he's one of the funniest guys on the planet. The the quotes reflect that very, very well. Um, but he's Oakland's finest. And I think it's just so cool that he saw this opportunity and was, like, I think he said, when I saw this, it wasn't like I just wanted to do this. I had to do this. I had to make this opportunity happen because I owe it to my city. I was like, that. no matter who that is, that's going to always resonate with the fans. That it's Marshawn Lynch. Wow. 
I just can't wait to see the Skittles kit whenever it comes out. It better. You better. <laughs> I love that. Uh, let's let's look ahead then. The week ahead, not a ton, not a ton here, Scott, to, to talk about in our first week of action. It, it's kind of interesting, right? That kind of little bit of a delayed uh, ease into the, the 2021 season this Saturday, April 24th. We've got a, a nice uh, two-game slate. Nice and easy. You can watch both of them. Uh, Louisville in Atlanta at 7.30 and then OKC in Tulsa, a derby right out of the gate, right, um, at, at 8.30 p.m. For me, I think this is two pretty um, easy choices. I, I think Lou in, uh, in Tulsa take both games handily. Um, let me know if, if you uh, really disagree there, but I'm excited to see Corbin Bone and Jenny McLaughlin reunited uh, on that, that Lou City pitch. Yeah, I'm excited to see Louisville. Um, I think this is they're they're a fantastic team to showcase to kick things off. Um, I think we all know that they have a very promising season ahead of themselves. Um, I actually, my biggest fear is that OKC Tulsa be becomes like a one-one, and we just don't quite get just the stutter out of the gate a little bit. Uh, but very exciting. So I think Louisville absolutely. Um, we could see three, four. You know, I'm excited to see what Cam Lancaster pulls out of his bag this year. And then I think um, starting it off almost just like last year, OKC and Tulsa, just a, a tasty rivalry to kick things off. My hopes are so high for Tulsa. I really hope we don't get a draw out of the gate here. Um, so, so buy or sell this one for me. Tulsa made some big moves. We talked about it a lot, uh, th this pod today. A lot of big moves this offseason, really establishing themselves in this space. Buy or sell that FC Tulsa is a front runner for the USL Eastern Conference title in, in 2021, which, again, it's just going to take a minute for me to get used to those words and one sentence together. Eastern Conference, FC Tulsa, you got to love it. Yeah, I do love it, actually. I, I think that they, they – You buying? Quickly, huh? You buying? No, I'm not going to buy. Um, but I do think that they'll make the Eastern Conference that much better. That does excite me. I think they're going to be a fantastic addition. Um, I would say this, though. If I were to pick a dark horse in the East, it, I would ask the very same question. Like, if, is picking Tulsa as a dark horse almost unfair? Because they are staff. And I do think that they'll make a good run. Um, I think Eastern Conference semifinals is very, very possible for them. But you just have – you have so many teams you've got to get through to be a front runner for the East. Miami, Tampa Bay, Birmingham, Pittsburgh, uh, Charleston, Indy, Louisville, like – that I just named seven out of the eight playoff teams right there. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, front runner, no. Is it possible they end up playing for some silverware? Yeah. The best part of the East, yeah. truly. I love that. All right, week ahead. There you got it. Uh, first two games of the 2021 season, Saturday, April 24th on ESPN+. Plus. Before we bid you adieu for uh, the first episode of season three, we've got our first feature of Rock and a Hard Place. So, so Matt Cavill, you've been waiting patiently all episode. What do you have for us for our very first edition of Rock and a Hard Place? Yeah, mixing mixing things up a little now in season three yeah. of, the, of the show. Um, changing up our final segment here. We're going to call it Rock and Hard Place. I'm going to give you guys uh, some choices, and you got to tell me uh, which way, which direction you're going to go. And um, as a little warm up, just to kind of a little soft toss to to get us to get us going here. Cake or pie? Mm, cool. Uh, oh wait, so so do we? So, like so just yeah, just just yeah. I'll fire you the question. And then you make your choice. Hey, 
See, already in disagreement. This is what the Look, fans like. It's great. Season three and nothing's changed. <laughs> um, bath or shower? Shower. Shower. Bath okay. takes too long. So uh, just uh, a couple days ago was uh, National um, National Eggs Benedict Day. So I don't know if you how you feel about that. That, that got me thinking. That's like a that's like an ultimate brunch item is Eggs Benedict. So that got me thinking. Breakfast or lunch? Breakfast every meal of every day. Yeah, breakfast for lunch, breakfast for dinner, breakfast for breakfast. Oh, okay. I love this for us, Scott. This is good. There's going to be some cohesion, I think. In some I think so. Uh, what's worse? La- <coughs> laundry or dishes? Laundry. Laundry. Yeah, laundry. And I laundry dishes. is so much waiting. Dishes, I just get it done and then I load them in the dishwasher because I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Laundry, I'm waiting like 45 minutes in between cycles. What am I supposed to do? It takes so long. All right. Ben, so we just over the over spring break uh, finally uh, watched Ted Lasso. Just just shout out for just an amazing show. Like it is everything everyone says it is. So just want to throw that out there. But binge okay. or classic, like watch a show one episode a week. Are we binging on one day or binging in the week? Whatever, however you binge, it's not about how you binge, but would you rather binge and just like charge through a show? Or do you like the kind of old fashioned one episode a week thing? Yeah, I was going to say I'm comfortable with one episode of the week. I think it just like it's a it's a more natural feel. It keeps me coming back every single week. Um I've picked up a couple shows during the pandemic that are still on and doing like once a week type cadence. And I've just grown to like kind of return to loving that. I also think as an adult, it like you need something to look forward to. Like you work for nine hours of the day. Like there's gotta be a, a like a, a bright spot for you at, in the evening. And I think that's, it's a good one. Plus like, <laughs> Certain shows I just can't binge. Like, This Is Us, I can't watch five straight episodes of This Is Us. My living room will be filled with tears. I need yeah, to like take that on a, on a once-a-week basis. All right. Old, old school, old-fashioned old television in this, in this group. All right, the last one, and we've kind of built our way up in the intensity scale. So would you rather know when or how your time is going to come? Oh, boy. How? When? There you go. I don't want to know when. That would it would just be one giant Instagram countdown on my story, and it would just be really sad for everybody. So just just tell me the how. Give me the particular. See, I think it helps me figure out how much money I've got to blow, like, or if I'm making it last. You know, like that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I like that. That's good. How many carbs am I intaking every day? You know. Hundreds. You get, you get a carbo load the night before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out fat and happy. You're, that might tell you. How, that might tell you the how of the. Hey, wind. there you go. There you see. I'm already there. I'm already there. And, that, and, that, and with that, we have a bow on our first installment of Rock in a Hard Place. I like that. This was a, a nice, a nice uh, switch up, Matt. I appreciate that. You guys, here we go. Season three, episode one is in the books. Uh, 2021 USL Championship season is here. 
and uh, I'm, re I'm ready for it. I appreciate Jeff Reuter, as always, stopping by and providing some insight, a lot of questions as we head into uh, this season. You've got our hot takes. I'm interested to see if you guys agree or not. I'm sure you'll let us know either way. Uh, but for, uh, for the first episode of season three, uh, for Kelsey Seal, Scott Sue, Matt Cavill, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you.